Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you would like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. Have you ever gotten a look? Judging by your reactions, a few of you have been on the receiving end of some pretty powerful eyes. Some people have this insane, God-given ability to communicate behavior-changing power through one simple glance. My fourth grade teacher had this gift. I remember a friend of mine seemed to have decided that this particular Tuesday would be the day he would make our teacher quit. Pencils thrown, screaming, messes made, he was going to push every possible button. This went on for about 10 minutes. And our teacher acted like she didn't notice at all. In fact, she kept writing math problems on the board. Meanwhile, the rest of us are looking at each other wondering, is she okay? Is she out of it? Has she gone deaf in the last 10 minutes? How can she not do anything about this? I'll never forget it. She finally turns around and has a look in her eye that not even daggers could come close to contending with. And within three seconds, the classroom is miraculously calm, messes are cleaned, The day goes on. She could literally do classroom management with her eyes. One look, huge results. Now, being able to perform a powerful stink eye is pretty cool, but it's not so cool when we start to think that God is giving us the look. We're talking about shame today. That unshakable feeling that we don't belong, tempting us to run away from God and his people. We all deal with shame and help us have this tough but essential conversation. We're going to look at the shame of a Christian brother from long ago. His name? Simon Peter. Luke chapter 22 verses 47 to 62 say this. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. That was Peter. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour, when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow is with him, for he is a Galilean. 
Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Simon Peter was the most headstrong of the disciples. He promised many times that he would never leave Jesus' side. He said he would die with him before deserting him. He had an expectation for himself, believing he would never falter in his commitment to Jesus. But when he did, he had no idea how to handle the shame that followed. I can't really blame him. At the moment when he had the opportunity to show Jesus and the world that he would stand by his side until the end, he not only failed, he let himself down. This same guy who just drew a sword to fight for Jesus now denies everything about him. His Savior is being abused, traumatized, and Peter distances himself as far away as he can. First, he denies knowing Jesus personally. Then he denies his identity as a follower of Jesus. And then he denies his own cultural background and where he's from, which makes no sense. and Anyone could see through it. But that's how afraid he was to be associated with Jesus. The rooster crows. Jesus looks straight into his eyes. Peter looks away. Buries his eyes in his hands, flooding his face with tears. He was alone. That's shame. You and I have been there too. Like Peter, we set standards for ourselves, or our parents do, or our boss does, and we promise ourselves we'll make it happen. But when we fall, we can't look up. We can't talk about it. We hide and cry. Why? Because of our standards, but even more so because of God's standards. Like Peter, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian because you love God and his word and the life he wants for you. You love the teachings of Jesus about love and purity and unity and healthy families. And because you emphasize that, as you should, as we all should, when you and I fail in following those standards, we feel shame. We feel alone. We're quick to isolate and hide. Notice how Peter doesn't run to his fellow disciples to process his shame or to hear forgiveness. He runs away alone in the darkness, letting his tears be his only companions. Shame still isolates today. Here at Divine Savior, we call ourselves a church family, and we should, because we're committed to each other, to speak the truth in love, to be accountable to one another on our path home. And yet the devil does a great job in making church off-limits to our feelings of shame, right? I know I just got here, and I've barely begun getting to know you all, but I have a pretty good hunch there's a lot of shame in this sanctuary right now. Shame over an addiction you promised yourself you'd beat by now, but you can't stop at one drink, or one pill, or one click, or one purchase, or one hit. Shame over how broken your family is and how rough your childhood was. Shame over those sexual sins that still make you feel dirty. But the thought of sharing such shame is something you and I are quick to suppress. After all, what would people think? How would she or he react? See, outside of Christianity, the world has two ways of processing and dealing with shame. One is the Peter route. Hide and conceal. Don't let anyone know. Bear it yourself and get through it. Or the other route, the let go and live option, 
which says, let's all be okay. I'm okay, you're okay, no shame, you're not perfect, that's fine, it'll all be okay. And yet such denial leads to more confusion and more hurt and ultimately more shame. Shame is complicated, but its source isn't. It's sin. It's Satan. It's self. When we look at God's standards, how can you and I not be ashamed? How can we not feel shame when we turn to functional saviors, quote-unquote, like substance, like porn, like sex, like food, like gossip, to deal with our shame instead of turning to the all-encompassing Savior Jesus? You and I are sinners. We've hurt God. We've brought shame to ourselves. It's all part of the elaborate plan of darkness for us to see the look of God and feel nothing but shame and pain and isolation from him. That's exactly what the devil is trying to pull with Peter. The rooster crows. Peter looks, and what does our text say? The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. What did Peter see in his Savior's eyes? Shame? Punishment? Disappointment? What would you have seen? In one sense, when we see the Lord's look through the Bible, we should feel ashamed too. We should. God wants you to be ashamed for a moment. Here's the thing. If Christianity was all about living a life consumed by shame, I'm done being a pastor. If I'm going to be a pastor that's just here to make you feel bad, I'm not doing my job. But here's the thing. God wants you to be ashamed, but for a moment. Not a lifetime, but a moment. He wants you and me to be ashamed through his law if we choose someone or something before him. He wants us to repent, to recognize our sin, to cry over it, but not to stay in tears of regret, but to heal us. Because it's only in him that we really find life and hope and joy, all the things that we really desperately need. We look into his eyes and we feel shame, but then he does something unexpected. He doesn't look away. Jesus' look at Simon Peter was so much more than the stink eye. How do we know that? Because Jesus said so. A little earlier that day, the same Holy Thursday, the same day that Simon Peter denied Jesus, Jesus said something else to Peter, along with the fact that he was going to deny Jesus three times. He says something to Peter that explains the look in his eye in that courtyard, that one dark night lit by torches and campfires, Listen to what Luke 22, 31 and 32 says. Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus had Peter look into his eyes with one purpose in mind, to bring him back, to turn him around, to restore him by grace so that one day he would bring back, turn around and restore his siblings in Christ. His look wasn't judgment. It was love. Love communicated through the eyes of the God who saw Peter when he was all of one cell in his mother's womb. The eyes of a creator, the creator, who had a plan for Peter before the world began. The eyes of the Savior who looked at Peter and his sin and he cried. He cried over what sin had done to him and so he looked forward at the cross, walking resolutely to the most shameful, shameful death imaginable so Peter could look at him fully, perfectly, 
and forever. I really hope you heard your name alongside Peter's because Jesus' eyes are looking at you in just the same way. I don't know what variety of shame you have, but please know your Jesus has seen it, knows the depths of it and bled for it. If you are looking to deal with your shame, you have to look into his eyes. You have to sit at the cross. You have to see him smile with nail-marked hands, looking into his eyes to communicate the one thing you never thought God would say to you. You belong with me. You're forgiven through me. You're free. You're loved. You're everything to me. One look. Shame is complicated, but Jesus, he isn't. He looks at you through the Bible and says, there's a place in my father's house for you. I'm getting it ready. I know your history. I know your past. I know your story. I know everything about you and everything you've ever done. I know, but look into my eyes when I tell you that I will never be ashamed of you. You are family. You are mine. Look into his eyes. At first, you and I rightfully and thankfully will feel shame as we examine our hearts and we see our sin and we cry and regret. But don't stay looking down. Don't keep your face buried in your hands. Look up. And see that Jesus will never turn his eyes away from you. He's restored you. Through his blood, he bought you back from the slavery of shame. And one day, you'll physically see the look of your shepherd and the tears you have will all be wiped away. Look into his eyes, but then turn back. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? He told him to go and strengthen his brothers. You know how Peter did that? He talked about his shame and his Savior. His story is written here for all the world to see for thousands of years. And Peter considered that his greatest honor. That people the world over could see the depth of his shame. So they could see the depth of Jesus' love and how it's always deeper, always stronger, and will always remove our shame. It's been nailed to the cross. Sent as far as the east is from the west. So let's look into his eyes. And turn back to our brothers and sisters in Christ. The people God has called us to serve. By faith in the Spirit's power, let's continue to make our church a place where shame can be aired, that stories can be told, that the story can be made known. That's the kind of church Jesus always wanted. A place where we recognize our shame, where we look at our sin and repent, where we cry with each other, first tears of pain and regret, but then to look into the eyes of our Christian family members and see so much more. We see not just our Christian sibling, but we see him. We see Jesus as we hear and read and speak the words of shame erasing forgiveness to each other. Look into his eyes. Share your shame. See your forgiveness. Turn back to your family in Christ. Know that when Jesus looks at you, that's where love is found, where hope is all around you and where shame doesn't belong. It's his look that never leaves you longing, but instead reminds you that he will never be ashamed of you. Reminds you that he smiles when he looks at his nail-marked hands. Because in those hands, your name is written. You will always be with him. You will always belong to him. You are a part of him. And he will never look away. Amen. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. As we continue to explore different emotions that we all face and how the Bible responds to them. I look forward to getting to bring this conversation, a new conversation to you next week. In the meantime, God be with you as you live for him.